Well, it's good to be uh, back with you, and, uh, and I look forward to the next couple of, of days, especially the theme that we have selected for the meeting. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a basketball fan, and growing up, I was a big Larry Bird fan, and every once in a while, uh, I'll see a, a video about him. Uh, uh, some of the players in the NBA that had to guard him, and they, they, a lot of them tell some of the same stories, that he would come out and he would say after a timeout at a, at a crucial time in the game, he'd say to the guy guarding him, I'm getting the ball. And this is where I'm going to get it. And this is what I'm going to do with it. And they said, and then that's exactly what he did, you know. I'm going to tell you where I'm getting the ball, right? And I'm going to tell you what I plan to do with it this week. Uh, I've been praying. I've been looking forward to being with you. I've been praying about this meeting and, and my prayer, very specific. Anybody who is not in a saved relationship with Jesus Christ, that could be one of the teenagers in this congregation. Uh, that could be somebody that you invited to the meeting that's not a Christian. Uh, that, that could be, uh, we have this situation at home, I'm sure you have it here. That, that could be uh, someone who is uh, a non-Christian that's married to a Christian. We, we've got folks like that at North MacArthur. They attend all the time. They're not Christians, they're married to a Christian. I'm praying for those people that during the time that we study God's word together this week, that they will move from being lost and they'll know the joy of being saved. I'm also praying for those who are Christians, but you're struggling with something in your life uh, that has kept you from being as faithful as God wants you to be. That, that as we talk about uh, how terrible it is to be lost, that, that some will not just be converted, uh, that others maybe are going to be restored just general encouragement. I'm praying for the, those who are part of God's church to, to be encouraged by the blessing that you have because you're in relationship with God. I pray that this week will be a time of great encouragement. Here's the fourth kind of tier of prayers. Praying for those who are lost, that they'll obey the gospel. Praying for those Christians that are that have kind of wandered, that they'll be restored. Praying for all those who are members of this congregation, that they'll be encouraged also praying that some of what we study together this week will give you uh, encouragement and will equip you to take what God's word says and, and share it with the people that you know. You, you're going to be able to reach people I don't know. And that you'll take some of the things that we talk about in these six lessons about being lost and you'll be the one that God uses to share this with others. Those are the four things I've been praying about. And I just, I want to start with that so you know what we're trying to do together this week. The idea of being lost is such a terrifying thought. We, we could move from kind of the physical to the spiritual. A little, little boy, little girl wanders off into the wilderness and can't find their way to be lost alone in the wilderness. To be a sailor lost at sea. Uh, to be a, a soldier lost in battle. All of that has a sense of anxiety and fear and it's a frightening thing to be lost. Sometimes you hear people whispering in, in hushed tones, you know, did you know she lost her mind? Did you know he lost his fortune? Did you know that couple lost their son? 
It's a terrible thing to lose your mind, to lose your wealth, to lose a loved one, to lose your health. There's something worse than all of that. The, the only thing eternal about you, the only thing that lasts forever is your soul. And, and there isn't anything worse than losing your soul. We sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. As I, as I present these lessons, as we study together about the consequences of being lost. I, I, I want you to understand I'm, I'm speaking as one who understands. Can't every saved person speak from a position of remembering what it was like before Christ without Christ? As we, as we share what we found uh, in, in Jesus, as we share that with others, can't we share it from a perspective of understanding what, what it was like before we came to know the good news? And so that's the effort today, to explain in terms that, that, that everybody can understand. If I am lost, what? What are the consequences? Number one, I am, I am separated from God. I was born and raised in Pennsylvania. We lived outside of a little town called Middleburg up on, up on a hill. And we heated our house in the wintertime. We heated our house almost exclusively with wood that we, uh, you know, cut down, chopped, split. And, and I, I remember, it wasn't an axe. I don't know what the tool, how to describe it. Long steel handle and the head was shaped like a triangle. And, and what I can envision is the chopping block. We would stack these pieces of wood up and my dad would chop them and I could see that wedge coming down and and hitting in the center and what used to be one right it two two halves would would split and they'd go flying in opposite directions and, and I want you to understand that's what sin does to our relationship with God what God wants is to be one with us what sin does is it drives a wedge between man and God it separates man from God and so probably the, the most familiar passage that describes this is Isaiah 59 in verse 2 your iniquities have separated you from your God your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear what God wants is fellowship what, what God wants is to be in a relationship with the people that he created in, in his image what sin does is it destroys the intimacy it separates us from God it's what happened to Adam and Eve they, they sinned their sin caused them to be shut out from the presence of God Genesis 3 23 it, it says the Lord's uh, the Lord God sent him out where was he where, where were they they're they're in the garden we talk about he walks with me, we sing about, he walks with me, he talks with me as good friends should and do. What did they have in the garden? They had fellowship with God. They had access to God. What did sin take away? It took away the presence of God. Now, listen, to me, that, that's the most frightening thing. That, that, I would, that I would sin to the extent that I would lose fellowship that God wouldn't be a part of my life anymore. Chapter 3, verse 24 of Genesis, he drove out the man. And that's what it means to be lost. 
Lost people are shut out from the presence of the Lord. Ephesians 2 verse 12, I think Paul summarizes this language without, without hope and without God in the world. You know, the joy of salvation, it, it's more than just avoiding negative consequences. I, I want to be saved because I don't want to go to hell. We're going to talk about that this morning, but, but being saved means I have a relationship with God. I've been reconciled to God through the death of his son. We need to appreciate not just what we're saved from, but what we're saved for. We're saved for a relationship with God. And when you're lost, you're separated from God. And I, I can't tell you how, how terrifying a thought that really is. There are moments in my, God, in my life that what I want more than anything else is just to get to God. In moments of crisis, in moments of loss, when I'm confused and I don't know what to do, when I'm afraid, I go to God. Because of what Jesus did for me, I have relationship with God. And I can, I can take all of life, that's happening to me, and I can go talk to him about it. If you're lost, you don't have that. If you're lost, you're unable to fulfill your intended purpose. In Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables. Each story is about something that's been lost. A man has a hundred sheep, he's lost one. A woman has ten coins, she's lost one. Man has two sons. One of those two sons is lost. I can't remember where I read this. The thought's not original with me, but it's an important thought. Lost things retain their value. But what's the value of a lost sheep? It's worth a sheep. Whatever a sheep is worth, that's what it's... That's it. It doesn't lose its value. What's the value of a lost coin? If you're, if you're walking down the street and you see a $20 bill, you don't crumble it up and throw it away. So it's lost. It's worth, no, it's worth $20. That lost son is worth a son. Lost things retain their value, but listen, they can't fulfill their purpose. Even as a little kid, I... I, I I was able to understand that concept. My mother had a piece of leather that was shaped like the sole of a shoe. You all know where I'm going with this? Um, she used that to great effectiveness. Uh, when we misbehaved, she would apply that very effectively to get our attention. And my brothers and I, you know, we got to thinking about that. I called my mom. I said, Mom, do you remember... And I described it. I, I said, you know, it was shaped like, like the insert of a shoe, right? And it had these little drawings on it. She said, remember it. I still have it. And I thought to myself, what kind of sick person hangs on to something like that? Right? But here's what we got to thinking. Even as little kids, we thought if she loses that, she can't use it for its intended purpose. So we lost it for her. Uh, we hid that 
there was a little antique stove, wrought, wrought iron, you know, stove that my parents had in the living room, and we took the, the, the grate off of the bottom of that, and we shoved that thing in there. Needless to say, she found it, and that plan backfired. Um, but the point is this, even as a little child, in me and my brothers, I'm the youngest of three boys, we, we, we could understand if she lost that thing, it couldn't fulfill its intended purpose. And I want you to understand that, that lost people are still valuable to God, but they can't fulfill God's intended purpose in their lives. And so listen to a few of these passages that, that explain from Scripture what God intends to do in our lives, how he intends to work through us. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There, there's a French philosopher named Andre Mulroy. He said, why are we here? On, on this puny mud heap, spinning in space, I've, I've got the least idea. I'm completely convinced nobody else has the least idea. Paul says, I've got an idea. We're here to glorify God in our bodies. That's why we're here. Last night, Gary picked me up from the airport, took me to dinner, and, and before we ate together, he prayed about our meeting. And, and very specifically, at the beginning and the end of that prayer, he prayed that everything we do together this week will glorify God. You know why? Because that's why we're here. We exist to glorify God, but if we're lost, we can't fulfill that intended purpose. Philippians 1 and verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. We're here to glorify God. We're here to magnify Christ. There's a religious writer, uh, Warren Wearsby, and, and he says, he talks about a microscope makes little things look big. And a telescope makes distant things look near. And, and he said the Christian's life is supposed to be a lens that magnifies Christ, a, a lens that, that makes a little Christ look big and a distant Christ draw near. Not that Jesus is little or distant, but to the unbeliever, he seems small and distant. But in our lives, he's magnified, he's made large, he's brought near. That's why we're here. But if I'm lost, I can't fulfill God's intended purpose to glorify him, to magnify his son. Romans 14, 19, therefore let, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Uh, edify another, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore edify one another. Why did God create us? Why are we here? We're here to glorify God. We're here to magnify Christ. We're here even this morning to encourage each other, to build each other up, that, that God would work through you to strengthen me and he would work through me to strengthen you. All of these things are wonderful things. If you're lost, you're valuable to God. We'll talk about that in the, in the next lesson, how much he loves you and how much he wants to be in a relationship with you and how far he goes to get you back. You haven't lost your value, but you can't fulfill your purpose.
The third idea, if I'm lost, I'll never see the beauty of heaven. I'll be home next Sunday. The week after that, I, I fly uh, to Meridian, Idaho. There's a Linda Road Church of Christ. They have a lectureship every year. One of my lessons in that lectureship is about heaven. There are a lot of things about heaven I, I don't know, but we do get a picture of it. The Bible gives us some idea what, what heaven is going to be like. Revelation 21 in the first four verses. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Now I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and, and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, no sorrow or crying. Uh, there shall be no more pain. The former things, the old order of things has passed away. If I'm lost, I'm never going to see the beauty of heaven. I think there are a lot of people who don't understand that you can't live just any way you want to live and then you get to go to heaven when you die. I've been to a lot of funerals and it seems like the, the only qualification anymore all you have to do to go to heaven is die. There are people now living, separated from the presence of God, alienated from God because of sin, and if they die in that state, they will never see the glory of heaven. Now, why do you want to go to heaven? And somebody says, well, the alternative, I don't want to go to, I want to go to heaven because I don't want to go to hell. That's fair. Well, why else do you want to go to heaven? I want to see Granny. I want to. I want to see. I want to see the baby I lost. I want to see my husband, or I want to see my wife that I lost. A couple of years ago, my oldest brother went to sleep, and he just never woke up the next morning. Passed away in his sleep. Fifty-three years old. I'd like to see him again. Those are good things. They're not the best thing. I'm going to see God. Heaven is heaven because God is going to be there. You know, what if you could go to heaven and you could be with all the people you ever loved? You could eat all the food you ever liked. You could do all the activities you, you always enjoyed, but God wasn't there. Could you enjoy it? Oh, no. Because that's not heaven. Heaven's not heaven if God isn't there. To see him. To behold him. Not have to run that through any kind of filter. But God will be their God. And he'll be with his people. Well, to me, that, that more than anything else, what makes heaven heaven is God will be there. But 
I think the second greatest thing is what won't be there. We're not going to stand by the mouth of an open grave and weep and cry. There's no more death. There's no more sickness. No more pain. He's going to wipe away all the tears, all the heartache that you've experienced in this life, all the loss, all the disappointment. The things that make this life so difficult and so painful, none of that will be there. And if you're lost, you're going to miss it. It's so important that you make decisions in this life so that you don't miss out what God has prepared in the life that is to come. We focus so much on the things that we can see and the things that we can touch and the things that are temporary when we really should be thinking about the unseen, eternal things of God. If I'm lost, not only will I miss out on the beauty of heaven, I'm going to suffer the agony of hell and it doesn't, give me any, it doesn't give me any joy to talk about this. But folks, if I went to the doctor and I was sick and he, he didn't tell me about the consequences of that illness and what I was facing because he didn't want to hurt my feelings, he wouldn't be a very good doctor. And for me to come and talk about being lost and the consequences of being lost and not tell people what the Bible said, you know, hell's still in the Bible. It's still there. There's going to be a time where everybody is called together before Jesus and there's going to be a great separation and he describes this. In Matthew 25, I'm going to read first uh, verses 31 to 34 and then verse 41. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he, he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then verse 41 says, he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you curse, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. If, if you're lost, what are the consequences? You're not, you're not going to hear what Jesus says to the sheep because you're not one of his sheep. Why would anybody expect to live in rebellion against God all, all their lives and then die and be rewarded for that rebellion? Why would, why would they live their whole life and, and, and make it clear by the choices that they make they don't want God in their life and then die and all of a sudden they want to be with God? Those who are lost aren't going to hear what Jesus says to the sheep because they're not one of his sheep. They're going to hear what he says to the goats. Now, I'm just going to tell you, when that day comes, and I believe it's coming, it will come in, in God's time. When everybody appears before the judgment seat of Christ to give a defense of the things done while in the body, whether good or bad, and when that day comes, we're, we're going to hear, we're going to want to hear him say, come to me. Everybody is going to want to be welcomed by him. 
But some people aren't going to receive a rich welcome into eternal dwellings. And if you're not in a saved relationship with God right now, this is hard to say, and, and, and I, I've already said this, I'll say it again. It gives me no pleasure to say it. But if you are not in a saved relationship with God through his son, you're, you're going to hear the words depart from me. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. We know that Jesus is preparing a place. We need to be preparing ourselves and to make no effort of, of preparation and then expect that we're going to get to go to that place. You're deceiving yourself. It's a terrible fate. When hell is described... We, we think about fire. We think about the outer darkness, torment, weeping, gnashing of teeth. What makes heaven heaven? Well, God's going to be there. What makes hell hell? God won't be there. Even now, those who are alienated from God because of the sin in their life, even now, they're, they're enjoying some of the goodness and the grace of God. Even now, he causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall. There are all kinds of things we enjoy uh, because of God that we wouldn't enjoy if he totally withdrew from us in every way. I have a preaching friend, uh, Steve Higginbotham, one time in a sermon, he said, for some people, he's talking about life here and now, for some people, this is as close to heaven as they're ever going to get. And then he said, but for some people, this is as close to hell as they're ever going to get. As good as it can be in this life, this is as good as it's ever going to be for you if you're lost. And as bad as it can be sometimes in this life, it's as bad as it's ever going to be if you're saved. This next one, this is hard, but I think, I think you have to consider the fact that if you're lost, you're not going to be lost alone. You're going to take somebody you love with you. I, I know as a lover of God, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to help other people to be saved. I want my wife and I want our children to be saved. I want my friends and my neighbors to be saved. I, 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 got, I got on a plane and I, and I flew to Omaha and I'm here for the week because I want lost people to be saved. See, what, what saved people do is everything they can to help other people to be saved. But I want, you to, I want you to think seriously about this. As much as saved people work to help others to be saved, do you know what lost people tend to do? Lost people, whether they intend this or not, by their own example and, and through their influence, they cause other people to be lost. You 
And usually it's the people who are closest to them. It's the people that mean the most to them. I've been, I've been doing this full-time ministry almost 30 years. When a husband and a father comes to a meeting like this and becomes a Christian, you know what almost always happens? His wife and his children follow him. You know, sometimes we read about, you know, in the Bible, uh, the Philippian jailer. Uh, um, he and his whole family, right? Cornelius and his whole household. And I can tell you in, in years of preaching that I've seen it time after time. It starts with the husband. It starts with the father. Uh, he hears the gospel. He humbles himself. He, he obeys. And then like, like almost like a chain reaction, his, his wife, his son, his daughter, the whole family comes into Christ. You know what happens when we share the gospel with a husband and a father and he rejects it? He walks away. He has a chance to have his sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, but he decides he doesn't want that. He walks away. Guess who follows him? A lot of time. Not in every case. There are plenty of women who come to church alone. We have teenagers. Mom and dad aren't faithful. In some cases, mom and dad have never obeyed the gospel, but those teenagers want God. Those teenagers want Jesus. At home, they sit over uh, down front to my right, and, and some of them are there uh, every Sunday without mom, without dad. But I'm telling you, a lot of times when, when dad turns away from Jesus, his wife and his children follow him. What, what in the world could be worse than missing out on the beauty of heaven? What could be worse than, than having to spend eternity? A, a, the agony of hell is realizing people that you love are there with you and it's because of your stubborn and proud heart. I've got a friend, Avon Malone, he's passed away, he's a mentor to me, he's probably one of the main reasons that I'm preaching and his father was a commercial artist and, and when his dad, Joe Malone, would preach, he used to, he used to use colored chalk, it's a long time ago, and he would draw a picture as he was preaching and it would take shape and it always had something to do that illustrated uh, the sermon. And there's two books, Drawn to Christ, Drawn in Christ. And they have these pictures that his father drew. And one of them, there's a picture of a dad. There's, there's a hole and it says sin. And he, the dad is getting ready to step in that hole. And, and behind him, his son just says, right behind you, dad. That's true. You have so much influence. If, if your life is not in, in, if you're not in a right relationship with God, if you're not walking in, in harmony and peace with God, there are people who are following you. And, and some of them will follow you all the way to hell. What are the consequences? If I'm lost, what are the consequences? Well, they're severe. You're separated from God. You, you cannot 
fulfill his intended purpose in your life. You can't glorify him. You can't magnify his son. You can't be part of this body of believers that encourages and edifies one another. You'll never see, we sing about heaven. You'll never see the beauty of heaven. You'll, you'll be subjected to the agony of hell. And if you're really lost, there's a good chance that people who mean the world to you are going to follow your example and you won't be lost alone. Now here's what I want you to know. If you're lost, God wants you back. We're going to talk more about what God wants for you uh, in, our, in our morning sermon, but I'm just telling you. I feel like I'm talking to a room full of Christians, a room full of people who are, who are, already, who are already saved. If there's one person here who's not, you need to know that whatever separated you from God, no matter how much you're ashamed of whatever you've done, he wants you back. I've got three, I've got three children. I love them dearly. No, no matter what they, they ever do, no matter how embarrassed they are, I hope they always know that their father loves them. And I always want to be in relationship with them. No matter how far their choices separate them from me, I always want them back. God's better than me. It's, it's not even close. If that's how we feel about our children, how much more do you think God wants to be in a relationship with you? The language here from Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It was a rescue mission. It's ongoing. He, he is doing everything he can to bring people into a relationship with him. No matter what has separated you from God, no matter how embarrassed you are by, by whatever it is you've done to cause that gap between you and the Father, he wants you back. And that's why his son came into the world. Listen, he didn't, he didn't come just to make bad people good or to make good people better. He came so that lost people could be saved, so that spiritually dead people could be made alive again in Christ, because of Christ. I hope you'll pray about these things. I've been praying for you. Uh, this is an important message. You know, that clock says I have a couple minutes left. So sometimes, sometimes I hear about people and they're going on a mission trip and they do a lot of good things. They dig wells so... A small community can have clean water. 
They go to an inner city and, and they give clothing to homeless people. Uh, they provide food for people who are hungry. All of that is good. I'm not opposed to any of it. Don't misunderstand me. But how can you do all of that and never bother to mention the lost condition that people are in? It's not enough to feed the hungry. It's not enough to meet physical needs. There's a great spiritual need. And, and I'll just tell you, I believe that the world, the, the reason, one of the reasons the world is such a dark, dark place is because sometimes people like us who have the light are not allowing that light to shine in the lives of people who need it so desperately. Maybe what happens this week won't, won't look like I hope it will. Maybe it won't be that people, lost people come and hear the message and by the end of the week we have a bunch of baptisms. Maybe what happens this week is people like you who love God and you love others will be encouraged to let the light of your faith shine in such a way that lost people who are around you have an opportunity to know the joy of being saved. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be with you. Um, if you haven't had an opportunity to invite somebody, I hope you will. We'll have a great time together studying God's word, uh, getting to know each other, worshiping together. But let's seize opportunities that we have to warn people and not just to warn them about the tragedy of being lost, but to share with them the joy, the joy of being saved. I hope that you'll be praying about this, and I look forward to the next couple of days of being with you. Uh, Gary, do we close in prayer, or do we just dismiss? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this congregation and the way that the their love for one another and their love for you is really a light to this community. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for their friendliness. Uh, thank you for bringing me back. I enjoyed being here the last time, and I'm, I'm looking forward, not just to this day, but the next couple of days of being with them. And we pray, Lord, that, that you will be glorified in everything that we say and do, that, that your Son will be magnified in our bodies by the way that we think and speak and act. And God, we pray that especially in, in weeks like this that we'll, we'll find ways to encourage people and edify and build others up, that some uh, will come to put on Christ in baptism and know the joy of salvation, uh, that others will turn away from uh, hidden and secret sin, that they'll, they'll be restored, whether that happens publicly or privately, that important choices and changes will happen this week and that all of us will be encouraged by our time together. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.